Hello everyone, welcome back to Absolute Medical. This is Sandra. And this is Priyash. And today we have a special guest on our very own St. James graduate. Many of you are listening already know her, Dr. Demi Wolford. Hey guys, hi. Uh, my name is Demi Wolford. I am from Dallas. Uh, I just recently uh, graduated from St. St. James and I just started my intern year in family medicine at Baylor Scott White in Temple. Um, I'm excited to, to be here. Thank you so much, guys. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Demi, why did you choose St. James? St. James. Okay, so I actually picked St. James because a family friend uh, went there. And so um, I, I trusted her and I was like, okay, well, if she liked it, then I will too. I actually didn't even apply to any other schools. I didn't take the MCAT. I had um, I graduated from undergraduate uh, with with a degree in psych, so I wasn't even in the like biology or like chemistry field. Um, I had taken some courses at community college in like biology, chemistry, just to kind of get like my feet wet. But um, yeah, I really just like winged it, and I was like St. James, here I come, and then I just moved on this island um which was like like awesome um i was comfortable with going to a caribbean school because my older brother and my sister went to went to medical school in in mexico and um my older brother now is a psychiatrist in the bronx and my sister is a pgy3 in surgery at baylor scott white in dallas so i was like okay if they can do it at a foreign medical school then I can too. So, so that's why I, I, I picked St. James and um, I actually loved it. So um, I, I wouldn't have picked any other medical school, um, even one in, in, in the state. So I think it's a great place. Wow, that's great, great. Um, so as far as like in your undergrad, what was your undergrad in like your major and stuff? Yeah, so I did psych. Um, you know, and I I kind of picked psych because I didn't really know what I was gonna do. Um, all of my family is in the like medical field. So they they wanted me to do that. And honestly, to be totally like truth truthful, I partied really hard in my college days. So like, I was like, I can't go to medical school, man. I'm not very smart, like what? Um, and so I, I, I dabbled in being like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to go to law school or I'm going to get a PhD or something. You know, I just saw medical school as the most challenging thing that anyone could possibly do. Um, and so then once I kind of cleaned my, uh, act up, then I, then I realized at that time, like, Hey, I am kind of smart, you know, I can actually do this. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go to St. St. James. And psych actually really helped, um, you know, kind of un some of the stuff tied in with what you learn in psych during during medical school. But um, it is sort of like a clinical mindset that that you learn when you when you study that. So I I enjoyed it, and I thought that I was going to be a psychiatrist just because you know psych is what um, got me there, and then um, yeah that changed about a million times, but, um, but yeah. 
So you said that you didn't know what you wanted to do. So did you take a gap year or did you just apply right after graduation? So kind of, like kind of. So I, um, I graduated from undergrad. It took me five years. Like I took that like extra gap year, you know, um, yeah. or that, or that extra, extra year just to kind of chill out. Uh, you know, uh, so in that fifth year, I was thinking I was going to go to law, law school. So I was taking like some pre-law type, like court, like that's what I was taking during that time. So I graduated in, in May, right. The like a couple right. months prior to that, I was um, shadowing someone in a court. So we were watching like a DUI case. And, you know, if like, if law was the field that I was gonna go in, I was like, I should have found this really exciting to like be there, right? Man, it was so boring. It was so boring. I was like, <laughs> I was like man, I can't do this. Oh my gosh. So I get out of the courthouse and I text my uh, mom and I'm like, mom, I can't do this, man. Like, I was like, ah, what do I do? And she sent me this text that said, Demi, I can still see you as a psychiatrist. And I was like, right then I was like, oh, dang, she's right. She's right. So that night I had a horrible night's sleep because I was just thinking and I was imagining my, myself as a doctor, which I think is what I always wanted deep down. So in the morning I sent her a, a text and I was like, mom, I had a terrible night's sleep. And she says, I also did. And I was like, okay, let's make some, some, some moves. And she was like, okay, let's get you signed up for some pre-med stuff and let's get you into, into medical school. It was like, we, we both just totally knew. Um, so from, from February to December during that time, um, that's when I took some like pre-med stuff. So that was at a, a community college after I graduated from my undergrad in May. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I kind of took those courses. And then I started in St. James in January of 2017. That's awesome. Great. Honestly, I could never be a lawyer. I don't think it's <laughs> me. I don't even know yeah. where I would begin just because... I don't think I'm great at fighting cases, obviously. Yeah. Or arguing. It's boring, man. It's like reading. Okay, like honestly, like if anyone does it, then I respect them so much. But for me, like, yeah, man, definitely not. It's <laughs> awesome that you like, like you knew sooner than later. Cause like a lot of people just go into the field and just like, they regret it or they're miserable for the rest of their life. And they're yeah. like, oh, well, that's the only thing I can do now because that's the only thing I've been doing forever yeah. you know yeah so, um it's go cool. on it's cool you got your like like you dipped your toes in you know as they say yeah there's a quote that i heard it was like around that time and it's this quote that i've always stuck stuck with and it's um hell is where the person that you are meets the person that you could have been i love and that right it scared me so much when i heard that because this is when i was still like on my law kick i was like lawyer girl um and i heard that quote and i was like the person that i could have been like i really deep down always wanted to be a doctor you gotta text me that 
<laughs> I will. I will. But yeah, it it that really was maybe one of the biggest things that that made me change it because I was like, man, I would always be upset that I didn't at least try it. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I think that's the worst thing. Like, you know, when you had a feeling where it's like, I should have tried that, but you never did. Yeah. So, well, with that being said, like, obviously that makes me feel better because the college part where you said, you know, you used to party. I think we yeah. all have fun in college. So <laughs> yeah, that happens. Obviously law school, you went through this law program or, you know, a shadow and stuff. it was a phase. It was a phase. Yeah. So now, so through your process of getting through St. James and leading up to the NBME comp and the USMLE, tell Mm -hmm. us about that. Like how you did that from, you know, when you began to like leading up to the two major things, the two major tests to get, um, to get where you're at now. For sure. Okay. So I, let me think. So I started in St. James on the Island in, on January in January of 2017. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, that you guys, you know, with this, with the COVID stuff, y'all are home, but, um, definitely it was like, when I went there, it was like a switch flipped and I just focused. Um, it really helped me just learn and focus. And I was so stoked about like, you know, um, this path that I, that, that I started on, um, MD one, I don't think I knew how to, how to like study yet. Um, anatomy, I think is always one of my weak spots. Um, and I think that's just cause I didn't know exactly how to, to study best at that time. By uh, MD, MD3, I think I really, really, really worked hard. Like I knew how to like learn. I knew what worked best um, and I loved it too. So, um, when in let me think in September of 2018 Hurricane Irma hit the island that I was on which was an Anguilla so literally in like a week the island and the school was like decimated like we literally lost like everything so my apartment was literally like blown up basically like all my clothes, all my shoes, my TV and my keyboard, my first aid was like just destroyed. And it happened um, during like our 10, 10 day long school break. Um, And so we had all gone home and hadn't packed thinking that, you know, that would have been the, the last time we had any of our stuff. Right. So literally like we get sent home and then the island is like hit and the school is like, hey, like you guys can't fly back here. Like the airport is like decimated. Um, The school is like in shambles. So yeah, you guys just stay home. So we were home for like a month. So we're like missing school when school would have been going on. Um, And so after like maybe like a month or, or five weeks, then then the uh, school said, hey, you guys um, have basically like three days to make this, this choice. So you can either sit at home and stay home or you can go to our sister school in St. Vincent um, and then just go there. And then you might have, have to stay there if 
if the island never gets fixed, if the school like never gets fixed, we'll just see. So I was like, okay, screw it. Let's, let's go. So I actually went there and we were in, in, in classes to make up for that lost month of time. We were in class from eight in the morning till eight every night. Um, 12 hour class days. Yeah, dude, it was insane. It was like insane. But honestly, I think cause I had so little time, I worked at like my hardest. So I, I really picked up in my grades during that time um, because I, like it was like I had no time to like spare on anything except for like learning this this stuff. And it was honestly, it was so much fun. So that was MD3. For MD4, we were back to Anguilla, which made a like a very quick like save, you know, and the school was was fixed back up. So MD4 and MD5, I focused really, really hard. I was just happy to be back home, you know, home, like quote unquote. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in MD4, you take a uh, farm and then I think uh, path two. And then MD5 is just like, it's, it's a Kaplan course basically. And then there's like, uh, like a test quiz every two weeks. So in MD5, I had like a lot of gaps. So my biochem score, cause you, um, you, you take a, take a, take a Kaplan test. It's a seven hour test when MD5 starts. And that kind of gives you like a baseline score of where you stand. So some of my stuff, like I scored very well, um, like physiology, I scored very well. Uh, micro, I scored very, very well. Farm, I was like, okay. Biochem, I was like out of five, dude. Like I scored so low <laughs> on biochem, genetics, biostats. So my my MD5, I didn't focus on the stuff that I did like pretty well on. Like I focused on the stuff that I did so bad on because I knew that I could make up the most points by going from a five to like, like an 80 rather than like, you know, like an 80 to like a 95, you know, like, does that make sense? Right. Like do it would help a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like I, I hit those, those weak spots so that, um, I could really kind of gain the most that I possibly could, because what's important is you take this test at the end of MD5, it's called the, the, the comp. So it's an NBME that is written by the same guys that write step one. So um, what our school does is if, if you don't pass this comp test with like a 68, I think that's like, like the passing score. If you don't pass it with a 68, then you have to take another Kaplan course, which takes another four months. And then you have to retake that comp test. So it's a process that if you don't pass it that first time on the island, you can be pushed back months and months and, and years actually. Um, so I just focused on trying to pass this comp the first time. So I think on my Kaplan pre-test, uh, like when it, when, when MD5 started, I think I got like a 50, 52 or a 54. So I knew that I had what, like, you know, 20 points that I, that I needed to make. Yeah. Right. So the key was hit all of the weakest spots. So when, when I took the, the comp at the end of MB5, I got a 77 on it. And, um, 
you know, I had touched on, on this in the past, but like when I passed that test, that was the best day of my entire life because I knew that I wasn't going to be stuck in this rut of, of having to take like a Kaplan course again and this comp again. And then if I failed it again, take another course. I mean, it's just money and time that goes down. So, um, you know, anyone that's on the island still, I tell them, man, just focus on being able to pass that the first time. Um, because that, that momentum that you have can really, really run out. Yeah. Yeah. So after I, so sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say like, you want to just reach your goal, your career as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you just got to work hard. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell y'all now there was a girl. So there was a girl that had done MD one through MD five prior to me ever being on the island. So she had started medical school two years before me, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So she, I had taken step one and stuff and she actually, I had never met her and she reached out and said, Hey Demi, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm studying for comp still. Like, she's like, I'm not able to pass it. You know, she'd been trying to take it for, for two years. Right. And I, you know, I, I tried to, to help her and tell her what I used for studying and stuff. Um, you know, but it's like, she was home at that point, you know, like she wasn't at the school. She was kind of on her own trying to go, go, go through this. And I just felt really, really bad. Um, but anyway, time had passed. I, I kind of thought that maybe she had dropped out. I found out last month she just passed up one. And she was there two years before you. Yeah. Wow. So it took her like, what is that? Like well, six, seven years. Yeah. Six or seven years. That's, that's wild. Yeah. And it's really scary. Cause like how much money could you have made as a doctor, you know, in those, in those years? Yeah. So that's why I just always say guys like study as hard as you can so that you can pass it the first time. So after I, I passed it, it takes about a month for paperwork to, to, to get done so that you can sign up to take step, step one. Um, once I was able to sign up for step one, the first available date was six weeks from, from that date. Um, so I, I just took it, um, you know, whenever your, your step one date is like coming up, you're like, man, I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm so scared. Like, I don't, I don't know anything, but I tell everyone set your step one date for a time that is sooner than you think you, you are ready for it because it pushes you. You know what I mean? But like, you're like, I have, I have two more weeks. Like I can't. I can't hang out with like friends. Like it'll just keep you as focused as you can possibly be. Um, yeah. And so I, that's what I, I did. I actually called this, this girl the day before step, step one. And I was crying. I was like, dude, I'm not ready for it. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. Like, I'm like, not smart. Like, what do I do? Like, can I change it? And she was like, do not change your step one day. Demi, you know so much more than you think, like you are ready for it. And I was like, okay, Mandy, okay. And I took it and I'm really glad that I did because I um, I ended up with the 244, which 
for me sorry that's high I was really happy when I got it and um I actually think that if I had taken it a little sooner than that then I would have gotten a, a higher score than that um but yeah you know it's crazy because I think that they're talking about going to pass fail yes they right. are starting, starting January I believe what do y'all think about that in my I'll oh, go ahead Priyush Yo, yeah, I mean, there's some pros and cons to it. I feel like the pro is, you know, it's pass and fail, but the con would be like, now you can't really show your score. So it's like, you, you yeah. I think you have to compete a little harder. I'm yeah, for so, sure, man. That's, yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. It, it has this ways for both of them. Like, I feel like it's a good and a bad, but more probably yeah. bad just because like, coming from, you know, the Caribbeans, you, you you might want to just show that score to see okay this is where you're at yeah yeah that's yeah. what i'm going to say i feel like we have to now prove or work harder and not compete but um like show ourselves out compared to other applicants u.s applicants considering we are img yeah you know do you have any advice on um like how to stand out for sure. So, yeah, you know, it's it's hard because my step one score really opened doors for, for me. And especially going into family medicine, like, they were like, whoa, you know, like, this is a really great score, you know, yeah. which, was, which was awesome. Um, but one of the things that I really harp on, and this is like, even if like, like the step one thing didn't change, I think the most important and amazing thing that you guys can do for yourselves is to get your CV as stacked as you possibly can. Like, I think people that like my, my section for volunteering on my CV, I mean, had interesting stuff, had cool stuff, had a bunch of stuff, had stuff that I did on the island, um, you know, had some unique stuff like I uh I sing and I play piano so I would go and I would play and I would sing at the nursing homes on on the island or uh I also did did that you know home in the states and um that's something that people on my interview trail were like that's really cool you know and yeah, like awesome yeah yeah like not a lot of people do that so sing was- and piano Demi <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's something that, that was fun. And so the fact that you guys are doing this podcast, like, I think that is like the coolest thing ever. Cause it's like unique. Not everyone does it. It takes like, honestly, like a lot of work to, to get this going. Like, I think that's so cool that, that you guys do this. So like, you need to put this on your CV you need to talk about it. You need to have like an answer sort of canned so that when you're, when you're asked about it, like you can be like, yeah, this is something that I always was like excited about and I did it. And like me and my friend like made this awesome thing and we had guests on like, that's so cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, doing those sorts of things is what makes you stand out, but it doesn't matter. None of it matters unless it is on your CV. Correct. Because then it's like no one will even know. Yeah. 
for any little thing, any big thing, if it just put it on there. Yeah, man, I put, so um, on my notes app on my phone, I have like a running list of things that I, I, I have to add. So I, I started this when I was on, on, on the island. So, you know, I was on Dean, Dean's list. So I put that, I was like a tutor for like micro and stuff. So I like added that, um, any like little clubs that I started. So I, um, I started like a spin class there or like, like I started this, this group that would go to a, like a spin class every week. And I kind of like ran it, like ran this, this like group and stuff. So that was something like really cool. And I put it on. Um, I started a glee club in St. Vincent when I was there. And like, I put, I put that on too, you know? Um, so that's the stuff that's going to make you stand out. Cause I maybe feel like us medical students do less of that kind of like unique and exciting stuff just cause they're like in the books, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's awesome that you had the time to do all of that. Sing, play piano, start a glee <laughs> club, like. I don't even have time to answer my own parents sometimes. <laughs> and this was all on another campus too, though, you know, like during the hard times, like. Yeah. Did you, when you did all this over there, you didn't know anybody at St. Vincent either, right? Yeah, man, I came alive there, dude. I came <laughs> alive. You have um, guts, I have to give you that, like, I gotta give you credit. Uh-huh. It, I mean, it, you know, it was fun. I felt like um, I've actually talked with the like the the faculty at St. James and they know that school can be really like like a toxic place for students there. And like my advisor, I think, once said like, yeah, it's funny that like that the toxicness will switch from from St. Vincent to Anguilla, like every couple years. It was really funny that they said that, like that, that they knew that. So I think when I was at my school, I think things were kind of like, kind of like very, like a toxic vibe. Like no one wanted to help out mm -hmm. each other. And in St. Vincent, man, they were so nice. They were singing in the hallways. They had like, parties that everyone was invited to like it was just so it was really really nice yeah granted the island is not very safe so like young like women I don't think should should go there um I heard but, that yeah I there were some some safety issues for sure like really big issues that had happened there um but the environment between students at the school was like very, very like friendly. So that's why like, I was like, oh, I'll do a glee club. And like, <laughs> you know, like we'll sing during, like in the lunchroom. You know, it, was, it was hilarious, man. But that that's nice though. Like you make it fun because it's not just school, school, school. Yeah. You, know, like, you wanna have some fun too, especially. Yeah like on an island like you don't know anyone and you're like away from home and friends you know so it's yeah nice. yeah yeah I know I know how to chill for sure like definitely know how to have a good time um I'm not so like type a I think mm -hmm. um which just helps me like you know stay chill and calm at, at most times okay. um and you yeah. still know your you still get your pride like you know your priorities 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, you always need to get done what needs to to get done, but definitely need to kick kick back and chill and just have a good time at times. Take that little break in between sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So my next question for you is um, res about residency. So I know you're in family medicine. Can you, for the residency application, how long did that take? And yeah, we'll start there first. Um, applications are insane. Um, the process of what you have to go through just to sign up to like put applications in is is a lot. Um, so first of all, you have to buy this token thing. That's what they call it. It's just like like a like a login online, just so that you can access the website that will allow you to put in all of your information for applications. Oh wow! Yeah, you get that. I think in like June, right? Of your of your of your application year. And also, I just want to plug this really quick. Um, you guys should absolutely have your step two score before the programs can see your application. Um, we'll, we'll touch more on that in, in a bit, okay? So um, in order to apply, the programs want you to have three or four LORs. So uh, LORs are letters of recommendation. So these need to be from a doctor that you've worked with in a clinical space, okay? So um, people have asked me like, can you get them from like a teacher on the island that you learned with? Like, no, you cannot do that. It needs to be a doctor that you've worked with. Um, so you need three of those. So I started asking the doctors that I knew I was gonna ask for, like ask an LOR of them. I started telling them, hey, I'm gonna ask you for an LOR. You know, I was telling them that in like April, okay? So ahead of time. Yeah, because they are busy, right? And there's other people that are asking them too. So I I would, yeah, I would give them that that amount of time so that they could write it, you know, like we could ed like edit it if, if, if they needed to. And then they have to upload it on the website because you don't, you don't do it. So you have to count on them to upload this and like, one of my friends had to ask her like LOR guy probably 10 times, like, is it uploaded yet? Is it uploaded yet? Can you upload it please? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one piece. Okay. So then you have to write a personal statement and this is a page long. Um, you have one page to basically write about yourself and why you picked this program that you picked. Um, and so I, I edited this back and forth with my best friend. We probably sent it to each other like 20, 30 times. Um, just editing, you know, words here and changing and you rewrite the entire thing about a million times. So that's like a really big piece too. Um, other than that, you need your test scores. Um, so step, step one, we had to take CS, which you guys don't have to take now, which is lucky you, because it was <laughs> actually super hard. It was really hard and it, and it was scary. And then you need your uh, step two CK score. So like I said, um, you really need it done. You need all of your scores back by the time that programs can see your, your, your applications. So um, this year with COVID, our applications 
were visible to programs on, I think, October 21st. So if you didn't have your step one step, excuse me, your step two CK score back by that time, I told people don't apply, like don't apply. Um, one of my friends said that um, he was gonna be able to take CK in December or something. And he was like, should I apply still? I was like, no way. Because these, these programs, they get so many applicants, they get like thousands, right? So they have to filter us out. So one of the things that they will like filter by is by IMGs, you know, we get like filtered out really easily. They will filter out if you don't have like a step two score. They're, they'll filter out if your step one or step two score is under like a 210. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So have everything there that, that you possibly can, okay? Um, also on the application, one thing that, that takes a long time is you have to put in all of the volunteering, all of the research, all the jobs, um, all the education that, that you've had, okay? And you have to write like, like a little blurb about each thing. That takes like a really long time. Um, but all of that goes into this application that you literally spend months on and on, and then you, you apply to interview at the programs that you've picked. So as an IMG, we have to apply to more spots than like a U.S. student would. So I applied to 70 places. Oh, wow. So, which was literally guys less than anyone that I knew. So most IMGs applied to like at least a hundred. Wow. Yeah. My best friend applied to, I think 300 places. Wow. Yeah. And, um, also if you're applying to a specialty and then a backup one, so like, let's say that you were applying to anesthesia and your backup was internal medicine. You're applying to all the programs in anesthesia in the countries. So that's like a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And then all the internal medicine ones too, which is like so many. So that's a good, easily 500 if you were, you know, since there's a lot of applications and you're um, sending it to two different uh, specialties, right? Yeah. Yeah. So me only applying in family medicine, applying to 70 people were like, you're crazy. Like, like this is, this is nothing, you know, uh, keep in mind too, that each application that you send out costs money. Yeah. I heard that things like what, 300 or more. Oh, it's like, okay. So each, each application, I think the first 10 costs like a certain amount and then beyond like 10 or like 20 to like 50 costs like, like a certain amount. There's, there's a way that you can calculate it. Um, but my friend, I think she spent like over $7,000 Wow! just on the applications. That's wild. Yeah. So guys, like it's a lot, the process of applying is insane and will take literally a decade off of your your life so if you apply right and say you got a, a match could you, you can get matched more than one right no 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 no, no. just one yeah so you are only matched at, at one place so okay so what what happens after this october 21st date when the programs can finally look 
at all of the all of the applicants that applied there. So they go through all of them and then they start to ex- to extend interviews, right? Mm-hmm. So um interviews come. So I think I got out of 70 applications that I sent out, I think I got 20 interviews, which was like, honestly was like amazing, was like amazing. Like people were like, what? Um, Some people got one, some people got like zero, you know? So I was very, very blessed. Um, So they interview you. So over the next few months, so that was from, I think my first interview was October, no, no, maybe in November. So from November to like February is when interviews go on. Um, a lot of people front load their, their favorite ones. So honestly, by December, I was canceling them. Like, I was like, I don't want to do these anymore. Like I've already done like my favorite ones. Okay. Yeah. So you do that. Okay. Um, in a normal year, you would have to fly or drive to all these places that you wanted to interview at. And they might reinstate that for when you guys are at this point. So that's another thing that costs a lot of money. Traveling. Yeah. 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 It's insane. Luckily, luckily and not so for us, we um, did Zoom, right? Because people were like, oh, like it's COVID. So that saved us a lot in cash but the thing is is that because we didn't have to like fly to each place that we interviewed at people interviewed at a lot more places right because i could interview at florida and then reno the next day okay whereas, yeah whereas in a normal year you would have had to pick and choose which one and like you would be like you know what reno i pick over Florida so I'm gonna cancel this Florida one and just pick Reno and just spend all my money there you know what I mean does that make sense yeah yeah so this year was really really scary because people blanket applied all over the country and people did so many interviews at places they wouldn't have really wanted to match at so then all all the applicants at the top like Places that usually need IMGs to fill them were interviewing U.S. medical students because U.S. medical students normally wouldn't have like interviewed there, but they were like, why not? It's just Zoom. I can do two of them in in one day. Yeah, and because they don't have to travel, so. Yeah, yeah. So that was something really crazy about this this year. And if Zoom stays, I think that's something that more applicants are going to have to think about um and how to like strategize and and plan so actually um towards the end of like interviewing aamc which is like like the governing body of like match Mm -hmm. sent out like a flyer saying hey top applicants like can you please cancel some of your interviews because like we know that you're not gonna rank that you know this little like program in the middle of Ohio or something as their number one, but you're interviewing there and you're taking this interview spot from someone that would want to go there. Right. Yeah. So that was crazy, right? So um, rank list is due in March. Okay. So I think it was March 3rd this, this year. So what happens is every applicant puts ranks 
the programs that they interviewed at from one to whatever number. Okay. So I, I interviewed at 20 spots. I ranked like, uh, excuse me. I got 20 interviews. I interviewed at 10 and then I ranked six of, of them, which I don't recommend. People thought I was literally insane. Okay. But I ranked my top six. Okay. So, but people can, can rank, you know, one to 85, if they interviewed at like 85, you know, one to 20. Okay. So you rank them at the same time, all of the programs rank applicants from one to a hundred, how, how, however many they interviewed. Correct. So the program that I'm at now, they have six spots. They interviewed, I think like 80 plus applicants. Wow. And yeah. You got matched is amazing, honestly. <laughs> so my, the place that I'm at now, the PD had actually called me and said, Hey, we want you, we're ranking you in our top six. So the thing is, is that if a program has six spots, if they rank you in the top six, you're going to match there. If you rank them as your, as your number one spot. Oh, okay. That makes but, sense. But what PDs sometimes do is they'll lie and they'll tell a lot of people, Hey, you're ranked to match here when you're not, they just want to get as many people as they can to rank them number one so that they can get all the best app, best applicants that they can. Mm -hmm. So it's scary, you know, like, it's like, do I trust them or do I not? Luckily. <laughs> This program is amazing. And I had a feeling they were honest. Um, and I, and I was right, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's really scary. Um, but let's say, let's say that they ranked me number 12. Okay. There's still a really good chance that, that you would match there. Right. Because, you know, the, the people in their first 12, you know, maybe like one of them put that, that program as their number two or their number three three spot, you know, which is still very high, but if they get ranked to their number one, if they get matched to their number one, then they're going there. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you still have a chance. Like, even if you're ranked like 45, you still have a chance to match there. Okay. Whoa. So yeah, it's, it's a process that a lot of people don't really understand until you've talked like through it. So yeah, when, I personally had no idea that's how it worked. Yeah, guys. I always it, wanted to know myself. So yeah, it's crazy. So I think like you have to put your list and the hospital has to put their list in, I think by March 3rd. And so March the 15th is match day where you get this email saying either you matched or you didn't match, but it doesn't say where it just says you matched or you did not match. Okay. So literally like if rank list goes in March 3rd by March 4th, they know where you've matched at. Like, and so it's like, why can't you just tell us now? Why can't you just tell us now? You know, it's really stressful. Um, but it's a waiting game, but okay. So March the, the 15th, you find out if you match, that's a Monday match day. Yep. Yep. March the 19th is like the match day where you find out where you matched. Anxiety levels are so high that we- Dude, oh my gosh, it's crazy, man, it's crazy. So March the 19th, I think it's like 11 Eastern time. 
you know, every medical student in the country is like waiting oh. at their phone for the email on where they matched at. And um, it's, it's like something you, you can't even dream of. Like, it's really scary. Cause I know people that drop to like their number seven spot, you know, and like, you would never think that, that you would drop under number three. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, people do it and it's devastating for them and their families and their loved ones. Um, they, most people want to stay in their home. Yeah. Or, you know, like someone is married to a person that isn't in the, in, in the medical field and like their partner has to get a job at wherever they match at. Right. Correct. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, man, like, unless I, like, I need to know where we're going to be. And like, you know, we place this, this spot as your number, number seven, because number one, two, and three were much better, like job opportunities for, for me, you know what I mean? So oh, it's crazy that you guys didn't know that. I guess I, I didn't know that either when I was at, at y'all's point. Yeah, they don't really, they don't talk about it. Like, yeah. I personally had no idea that comp, like I I just found out like towards the end of last semester, my first semester, that I had no idea that you had to pass comp raw. Yeah, I think we both found out at the same time. And we yeah. were like, we, we kind of got a little stressed over it because like, yeah. you know, we take those little NBMEs after all the classes and we're like, yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's rough, no doubt. Yeah. But, you know, passing it raw, it, it, especially like from MD, everything you learn from MD1, MD4. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, like on, on the NBMEs, like per class, um, I didn't get anything above like a 77, which is what I got on the comp. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I, I got a 75 in physiology, but that was like the highest that I had gotten. I got in the 60s on farm and micro. I like studied really, really hard for those, but like. I heard those are hard too. Yo, they are hard. Like they, they really are hard. Um, and it's like, I did well on those because I let other things like s- slip. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right which I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but it happens, right? But I'm I'm just saying like, if you're looking at your NBME scores right now and you're like, oh, they're not even close to what a raw passing would, would be, um, I was the same way. Like, don't worry. Um, because in, in MD5 is when you're, when you're gonna bridge all those gaps and the whole thing will just rise up to a higher score. Nice, yeah, so that that's that's some great information to learn obviously because we me and sandra both didn't know that yeah. but now that you we talked about the residency where you're at we know that you matched into your first choice which is also great congratulations on that. thank you so with that being said what made you choose family medicine out of everything that you could have probably applied for yeah um you know being in third and fourth year was like really fun. Um, you know, you kind of test out everything and I really enjoyed all of it. Um, you know, I had a point where I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a psychiatrist. And then it, then it like, was like, Oh, like OB guy. And my calling that I was like, emergency medicine is like the best specialty. 
You know, I like jumped around so much. There was so much that I was like excited about. Um, my, the the thing that I almost picked was emergency, and then I spent some some time in the in in the ED, and I realized pretty quickly I was like, man, like emergency for me is not for me because the patients are all mad that they're there. They've been waiting in the waiting room for a long time. Like they don't know you. They're pissed that they're there. Like I was like, no one is happy about being here. You know, in family medicine, like your patients have an appointment, like they love you. They've, they've picked you, you know, yeah. they picked you as their doctor and they're coming back to you. Like, I also liked being in internal medicine. I liked like all the science with it, but I was also like, wait, these patients don't pick you. They're just like assigned you, you know, cause they're like in on the floor. And um, I was like, man, if my personality is good and I think both of y'all are, are the same way. I'm like, man, if my personality is good like I wanna kind of make money off of that, you know? Like I want patients to, to pick me. Right, right. Yeah, so that that was kind of like, I think what really did it. And the night that I realized that family medicine was for me, cause you get to do it all. You get to do some some emergency, you get to do some psych, you get to do some, some OB-GYN, you can work in the ER, you can literally do anything. The night that I realized that, it was a couple months before applications like started. Um, I'm telling you guys, I did not sleep the entire night. My heart was racing. I was like, so excited. I was like, I found it. Like I, I found it, you know, cause I had bounced around so much. And that's normal, right? Like bouncing from. Oh yeah. 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 Guys like it'll, it'll happen so much. So like, what, what do y'all think y'all, y'all want to do at this point? Um, I am leaning towards either oncology or emergency medicine. Nice. Okay. Me personally, I haven't really figured out what I want. So hopefully, you know, the rotations where I can actually like learn yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. But yeah, then I I've all I've never actually just knew what I wanted to go do because I yeah. always knew that there's rotations where you would learn what you know from like all these different departments. Yeah. But, that's the only thing I knew I wanted to go into medicine. I just didn't know. I still don't know where I want yeah. to actually be. For sure. Keep in mind too. Cause like I rotated on family medicine. It was the second core that I did. And I like hated it when I was there. I was like, cause you don't, you don't realize how much the doctor that you're working with, you don't realize how much they make like an impact on your choice. Cause like, to be honest, I did not like the doctor that I rotated with the hospital. I did not like it. I was like, family medicine sucks. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm never doing this in my life. I hope they're not listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then when I did it with someone else as an, as an elective in my fourth year, I was like, this is amazing. Like, the patients love you, like everyone's happy. You know what I mean? So keep that in mind, guys. And I do hope that I pull y'all over to the family medicine field 
think I'll both would be would be great at it. <laughs> so hey, you're slowly getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I can write like LORs for y'all, maybe. <laughs> Nobody heard that, guys. We don't have a freebie, just if, if y'all are hearing this. <laughs> Wherever you are, I'm, I'm behind you. <laughs> for sure. All right, I have one last question for you. Uh-huh. In your opinion, what are some of the issues or challenges that clinicians face today that you have observed or experienced, whether it's during rotations or residency? Okay, um, so this question, I um, I kind of took it more as like, like what is the challenge that medical students face in rotations? So um, let me think, like, okay, one thing that I did want to say is in your third and fourth year, um, one, of the, one of the challenges that we'll face and that you guys will also face is that like the medical field the way that it works is you're taught by doctors that are working like the next level above you will teach you so i'm an intern right now so like a lot of my teaching is going to come from third and fourth or from second and third years in the program that i'm in mm-hmm. you know and 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 from from the doctors too but so like in third and fourth year you're being taught by the doctors right um and a lot of doctors don't want to teach and like also a lot are just not very good at it and so you have to do it on on your own so u.s medical students have doctors on their staff that want to teach right mm-hmm. like they joined the school to work there to to teach Caribbean schools have to pay these doctors that are individually like working on their own. They have to pay them to teach us. So each of our attendings in third and fourth year at St. James, they get paid a check for each student that works there that they quote unquote teach. So one of the rotations that I was on, my, my, my surgery one they had like 25 students there and we each saw like one patient every day and i was actually never in the or with that doctor and that was surgery that was my surgery core wow yeah and it's like they made a lot of money off of us but we were really just some labor for them and and a nuisance for them really you know because like yeah we were money for them but they were like okay now we have to like figure out what to do with these students so for like six hours a day they would just like put us in 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 a conference room and we would like work on like 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 writing notes you know but it it wasn't anything that we really should have you know been working on so i think that just yeah like a challenge i think the challenge for medical school and third and fourth year is that you have to teach a lot of it yourself. I think that's basically like us now. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. But like, yeah. especially in third and fourth year, it's hands-on or it's supposed to to be, you know? And like, you can't learn how to like cut into skin unless you cut into skin. And you have to see it. Yeah. Like you can watch a video of like 
delivering like a baby as many times as you want, but if you don't do it, you don't really know it. Yeah. Um, and I, especially surgery rotations, I think it's 20 weeks. How long was it? It was like three months. Okay. Three it, months. it was, it was 12. No, it was 12 weeks. It's, it's 12 weeks. I don't know where I got 20 from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What was your favorite rotation though? Uh, I mean, you didn't like family medicine. Rotation. Yeah, I didn't like my family my family medicine core. Okay, but the the rotations that I did in Texas, South Texas, which is a location that our school just just like added, mm-hmm. those rotations were my favorite. Like the education that I got there was awesome. Um, so I did a family medicine elective there with Dr. Olmedo and he was amazing. And he wrote like my LOR and he was one of the reasons why I like was so excited about family medicine. He was so awesome. And then I did ob there too. And um, like they were great. They were so great. And it was better because there were less students there than in Chicago where like there's a bunch of us in a room and you don't actually get any patient time. Um, And the doctors in Texas like actually wanted to teach us. And so those were my favorite for sure. Yeah, I feel like the, the person who's teaching has to have the passion to teach to have you engaged as well. Yeah, for sure. So I said that was my last question. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what would you say this? So you're very successful. You you like you got you scored high on your step one, and you obviously made it to your top choice residency. So what do you say the secret is to the secret is to where you need to be right now, or where you got in life right now? Okay. So your own secret, like that. My secret. (laughs) I guess I'm sharing it now. Not like, you know, (laughs) Um, my secret is I think everyone needs to speak up and not be afraid to stand out. And I think in medical school, this can apply in so many ways um, because no one wants to really stand out in med school um, for fear of looking like they're stupid or like they're weird. And I think it's important too. So like one of the ways that I'm standing out right now, that's kind of could be in a quote unquote bad way is like in my intern class of six, I'm the only one that's from a Caribbean medical school. And I could choose to hide behind that and try not to like bring it up because I think that it makes me look worse than the other folks in my class. But what I do is I'm like, I bring it up whenever I can, when it makes sense, rather than hiding it like a secret. I make it some something that I'm proud of. So I always say, yeah, I'm from this Caribbean school, St. James. It was amazing. I had the most amazing time and the teachers and the students are awesome. And I regret none of it. You know, like when you say that and when you say that with pride, then people are like, oh, Okay, cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then like another thing, like another way that I feel like I do that is um, if there's something like if I'm being pimped by a doctor or by like a fellow, um, 
you know, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm not afraid to say that I don't know it. Like, I feel like a lot of students don't like to say, I don't know what the answer is. Or a lot of students will be like, um, let me think like it's on the tip of my tongue, like, you know, and it just like takes time. I'm not afraid of like saying, I have no idea. Can you tell me, can you teach me this? Is it scary yeah. though? Yeah, I heard it's like, I, I heard it's like scary a little, but I don't know. But it's not because like, if you come out and say, Hey, I have no clue. Can you tell me? Then like, there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, right, like, we all, yeah, like we all started with no medical knowledge at all at some point, mm -hmm. you know? So like, just be like, oh yeah, I have no clue. You know, can you like oh, literally- know the up. truth and go forward, huh? Yeah, yeah. Rather than like trying to do this dance of like, oh, I, I, I read it in my reading last week, you know, <laughs> cut that out, you know? Um, <laughs> like, whatever. no, you didn't read it in your reading last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, let's just be honest, I don't know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right and people like that more honestly people like it more because it's honest and it's real you know like everyone needs to, to get off of their high high horse you know and just be like man i have no clue you know <laughs> like, you gotta be honest with yourself and the people around you too yeah yeah um one last example of speaking up that like really helped me is if there's a doctor that, that you want to work with or that you think does something really cool, like, don't be afraid to like, tell them, man, I think what you do is super cool. Like, can I come at like a time when I'm not scheduled and just come in shadow with you? Or like, can I come and work? Or like, I think you're so cool. Can you just teach me some, some stuff? So one of the writers of, of my LORs, um, was a doctor who worked in the, in the ICU. And I wasn't ever scheduled to work with him. Um, he actually didn't work with, with students at all. And students were not allowed in the ICU there at this, at the hospital that this was at. He spoke at a conference, like a lunch thing once. And, um, oh man, I thought he was like the coolest guy that had ever walked the face of, of the earth. Um, I thought he was so cool. And I'm a student, like I'm like this lowly, I, I was in my third year at the time, but afterward I walked up to him and I was like, Dr. Marcos, like, look, man, like you don't know me. I think you're super badass. Um, I didn't say that, but I was like, I, I think you're so cool. I would love to like, just come and shadow you or do anything just to learn from, from you. And he was like, uh okay yeah just don't tell anyone that you're going in the icu like with with me but come in like at this time i was like okay sure you know i was like what this is so cool so um this was on my internal medicine um core so after i would finish or like during lunch break i would actually just go down to the icu and i would hang out with him and I actually found out over time that he had, he had graduated from a Caribbean school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so then like, because of that, we like bonded over that, you know, when he was like, I know that there's this stigma there, but like, you just have to fight past it. And this is what, what I did and I did. And so I kind of worked with him in like a clinical way, but not in the sense that, um, you know, he was my attending and I was assigned to him and blah, blah. But because I took that chance and I was like, Hey man, I think you're super cool. I formed this relationship with him 
And then he wrote one of my LORs that was like the strongest one. He he actually sent sent me it after like I matched. Um, and it was touching to read what he wrote about me. Yeah. So the moral of the story is like speak up and stand out and do what you can. Um, anyway, that finishes my my talk, I guess. You guys are awesome. Um, thank you so much for having me on. That was a very strong um, advice and or secret. Um, thank you so much, Demi. We really appreciate having you on. Um, Priya, you want to take it away? Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Demi, for taking the time out of your day and giving us some insight. As usual, I mean, best of luck in your medical career. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, and me personally, I mean, Sandra talks about you all the time. Great thing. <laughs> so we're definitely fans and we'll, um, we're going to keep on cheering for you and hope to hear more. Thank you guys. And I am cheering for y'all. Okay. And we can't all wait to have you back on our <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> It's gonna happen. <laughs> There'll be more questions coming, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening and tune back in in two weeks. Make sure you Bye. like, subscribe, and share, guys. Woo woo. <laughs>